1: with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello,
2: and welcome to the Mindfield podcast from Anfield Index. Pro, I am your host Alan and as always, I am joined by my partner in crime, Doctor Andrew Vincent. Andrew, how are you doing today?
0: I'm good. Although you just told me you you just just seconds before we went live, Al dropped the starting question and the topic for the pod on me, so I'm in the process of thinking about my answer. I got a thirty second head start.
2: Listeners, Andrew always has it easy. He gets time to prep and, you know, come up with the wonderful ideas that he brings to the table. So this year I said, or this session, I said, let's just throw a spanner in the works. Um, So.
0: I think we closed that last time with your talking about how miserable it is to interact with me every other week for about half an hour. And so you decided to start by. Thanks for choosing
1: this free Anfield Index podcast. with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to anfieldindexpro.com and get started today.
2: It's like when the relationship goes stale. Me off my game. Yeah, the relationship goes stale, and we... And we... Uh, we start to uh, dress up and try and make it a bit more interesting again you know just to do something a little bit different
0: (laughs) yeah well you know what you won't throw me off
2: the question Mm. are the mentality monsters back
1: no thank you very much listeners
2: that was a great podcast (laughs) right what makes you say that
0: Andrew I think it's been really impressive how we've worked our way out of bad spots. But I think if we look at this Liverpool group and we would really call them the mentality monsters, we weren't getting in those bad spots that much to begin with. And when we did, we worked our way out of it, but I don't think the consistency is there from this group at this time. I don't think the, the overall process is solidified enough that the the focus and identity is consistent. Um, and so I think it shows a lot of resilience. And even if you maybe think about the early Klopp teams, right, or the the stages of his first iteration, Klopp 1.0, there was a period of time where we played a lot of exciting games, where we got ourselves in tough spots and kind of worked our way out, or there were just back and forth games. And like, um, you know, there's yes, that takes a certain mental skill set. But if you're talking about an elite mentality, the consistency and control to not let yourself get there at all is a part of that. And so when you think of maybe, I don't I think the Norwich game, right? That was the one where Lolana jumped on Klopp's back and broke his glasses. That was good fun. That was a different version of Klopp, a more carefree version of Klopp. I don't, well, he doesn't wear glasses now, so you couldn't even break them if you wanted to. But like, um maybe the Fulham game is our equivalent to that this year, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's, it's just kind of mayhem and we come out on the right side of it. And that is really fun and entertaining. And we take a lot of momentum from that and energy from that, but also, um, we shouldn't have been there in the first place. And compare that to the title winning season where there were games that were not super interesting, because we just controlled the game so well, got through on a 2-0 or even a 1-0 where we weren't challenged that much. That's what elite mentality looks like. And so I would say we're not monsters yet. Mm. We're
2: ogres or trolls or something maybe instead.
0: Mentality ogres. <laughs> I like that.
2: <laughs> but it's, it's interesting you, you, you say that because, and one of the words that really jumped out at me was identity. Um, and... For me, when I look at this team, the difference with, say, the club 1.0 is that we didn't have world-class players, the amount of world-class players that we have Mm -hmm. now. So, I think the performance levels are, for them as players, are not to the heights that they would expect of themselves, which allows a certain chink in the armor or fragility in Mm -hmm. the mindset. And I also think that maybe we're getting away with it now because our players are just better than they were last season. You know, our main players are better. Um, I think there's definitely still a huge lack of really... Experiencing the new identity like feeling it in your bones they're still trying mm-hmm. to figure it out there's still a bit of round peg in square around uh, square holes and I think um, that they won't feel like they're doing necessarily a good enough job but the caveat to that is that the title winning season was remarkable in terms of the level that we showed up until we had the league wrapped up. And that was backed with the levels we had shown the previous season and the season after where, or not season after, what season after, I can't remember. but anyway, where we were getting 90 plus points and not winning the league. I think this season, how we're doing is what a, regular football mentality monster is doing outside of Mm. the last 10 years in football. Because generally, this is how seasons would go for teams winning the league. They wouldn't streak ahead. They wouldn't be miles and miles ahead. They wouldn't be getting 90 plus points. They'd be winning the league with low 80s. And that was the norm for a 100 years nearly. (laughs) And I think what's happened is that the last 10 years and especially with city coming along and being the, the behemoth that they've been, that's distorted what we've seen as elite levels of achievement. Mm -hmm.
0: So you're saying, yes, we are mentality monsters at the moment.
2: I think we are a version of mentality monsters, but we're not the version that we were when we won the title or the seasons around that, when we were hitting 90 odd points, late eighties.
0: Yeah. Interesting. You know, I think I look through the squad and I would say, who would say they've been at their best consistently enough this season? I think you'd say definitely Ali. Mm -hmm. I think you would say Virgil probably has to feel pretty good about what he's Mm -hmm. done. I think Mo's been really consistent, but he's had some games where he's disappeared a little bit. Like, I don't, I don't know what he would say. You know, I think I, if he said yes, I'll trust him and give him a pass. I think Trent has had a lot of big moments and, you know, maybe would say like, he's really happy with his performance across the season. I gotta be honest. I don't understand the role that he is being asked to play well enough to be able to evaluate whether or not I think he's playing it well. Um, He's been a lot of fun this year. And I assume he's doing what he's supposed to, but I don't really know. Um, I think outside of that, everyone's been fairly inconsistent. You know? And like Sabazalai had a great start. Maybe the past three, four weeks have been fifty-fifty. I think like Darwin's had big moments, but also and like is growing. But, like, I don't think you could say that he's at the level of consistency that he would want to be at. You know, obviously, um, Diaz is, you know, had extenuating circumstances, but I don't think he's been at his best for a little bit. I think Gakpo's been 50-50 and a little all over the place. McAllister's been pretty consistent, but also has had a couple stinkers. Um Graven is all over the map in terms of his consistency. He's been a world beater a couple of times and uh, an us beater looking a couple times, like he was going to cost us big time. I think Elliott's been pretty consistently good, but mostly come off the bench and hasn't established himself regularly. I think Gomez has had some 50-50 games. So I think you look through the squad and it's like there's just too many people who aren't at their best to say that mentally we're totally dialed in.
2: Okay. I'll counter that with, is it realistic to expect a professional athlete to be at their best all the time?
0: Probably not realistic for them to be at their best all of the time, but I think that's what I work with people on. You know, like that's, that is, that's the goal that we have. And like, you know, there's an understanding, like you're going to have games throughout the season where you don't make the impact you want to make. And maybe patches where you don't make the impact you want to make. But I think the idea, like the whole, one of the whole points of sports psychology is how do you get the best out of yourself more regularly? How do you find that consistency? How do you get yourself into that space? Like there's a huge part of consistency that's mental. Part of it's physical, part of it's contextual, right? So there's going to be certain games where it just doesn't click for you or register for you, like the the way the other team is playing or the way the situation is that day. It's just not possible for you to make the impact that you want to make. Um, but I think levels of consistency beyond what we're seeing would be important. Mm. I think, you know, what I would often look for is um, – What's your process? You know, what's your personal identity? What are the two or three things that you're doing consistently that impact a game? And are you giving yourself the chance to execute on those? Are you having opportunities from those? Like, are those things happening and just not being successful? Like, I think. Identity is so important for how I think about the mental side of the game is really knowing what are the things that I do out there and am I doing them? And I think there's times maybe Darwin is someone and Diaz is someone too, who I think about what they're like at their best. Um, I think when Diaz isn't at his best, it's like, he just looks a little lost in terms of those things. Like he's not, he's not taking on the dribbles from out wide. He's not running at people. I think like defensively, like he throws in these kind of really nice tackles when he's at his best. And I think like he gets a little lost in the defensive side when he's not. Um, Darwin, it's just offsides a lot. So maybe he is like really pushing that part of his game. Like I, I think, is it realistic to expect everyone to be at their best always? No, but I think you need four people on the pitch at their best, three people who have found a really solid level of consistency, and then you can afford a couple people being ineffective on a certain day. And maybe we have that. I don't think we do, but you could argue it. Well, we're top of the league. I I would like you to
2: maybe we're the most consistent
0: that doesn't sure but that doesn't mean our process is refined like no and, and yeah, process is different though process, like sure like process
2: is different and we're changing our process and we have new uh, members of the squad to to embed and for them to find their identity within the group on a group level on a personal level and them finding their identity within the the overall structure of the team and what's expected of them and i could imagine sitting down with Darwin Nunes and him saying i am absolutely working as hard as i have ever worked before and the numbers show that in the defensive actions, in his pressing, in his work rate, in his assists. He's doing way more that is better for the team overall. And he's just not sticking the ball in the back of the net. Now, yes, that's his primary, the primary requirement of Darwin Nunes for, for us. But if he spent the last 12 to 18 months or 12 to 14 months getting it drilled into his head you need to change how you play in order to fit into the structure of the team and you need to work harder and learn more about the defensive side of the team and your role within that defensive side of the team maybe if that's been given to him as the the most important thing for you to focus on well, maybe it's not unreasonable for there to be a dip elsewhere. And if we're comparing him to, say, Mo Salah, who for the last seven years has, you know, he's just got it. You know, he's and people say he's just a better footballer. That probably is the case. But Mo Salah is one of the greatest footballers to have ever played the game in the history of football. He is in easily in the top fifty to one hundred players, I would suggest to have ever played the game anywhere in the world. So maybe Darwin Nunez just isn't that person, and maybe the the players we have right now aren't those people. But maybe Ali and Virgil and Dom and Salah are consistent enough to be those four people per game who are being the best that they can be now i'm not mm-hmm. saying that i agree with what i'm saying i'm just playing devil's advocate in terms of the how distorted football has
0: become has football become distorted or through various approaches to trying to elevate performance, have we recognized that there's a level beyond what we thought was possible in the past? But well, that's I, a distortion, you know. I think okay. no, or it's a new normal. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a change, but not a distortion. Like that would, you know, like people running a mile in under four minutes was thought impossible at one point. The fact that people can run a mile in under four minutes now doesn't make that a distortion, right? It's it's a new level that's been found in terms of what's possible for people to accomplish. And, you know, I would wonder what we've seen is that it's possible for teams to accomplish super high 90 point levels of performance over the course of several seasons. Um, maybe that's a, a distortion because Liverpool and City just have had teams that were very good at a time where the rest of the league was not very good. Maybe it's a COVID-related distortion. Maybe it's a, like, that. that's fair, right? And we'll see. Like, if things go back to not that not being the case, then, okay, you know, it, it turns out that that's a bit of a distortion or is a contextual thing. But I, I do think it's possible, like, we've seen that it can happen. So let's shoot for it. Um, that would be my goal. Like if I were working with, with Liverpool right now, I would not feel like, hey, job done on the mental side of the game. Like this team is clicking. There is nothing for me to add at the moment. It would feel like there is more for me to add. Um, and that to me is like a mentality monster. If, if the team is a mentality monster, then as a sports psychologist, I should be able to go to my nice office, kick my feet up, look out the window and not worry at all, like not necessarily feel like there's anything coming my way. Um, I think with this group right now, consistency would would be on my mind or certain parts of the process would be on my mind. Um, I don't think this is a group that runs itself yet, that fully regulates itself yet. I don't think the, the newer leadership structure has like, fully taken shape. Like I don't think the individuals in the team are quite consistent enough yet. Um, You know, I don't, obviously I can't speak to what I, I would do individually to improve that because I think so much of it comes down to like the work you're doing with a given player, which depends so much on how they feel about their performance, how they're picturing, how they're thinking about it, what the coach's input is. There's all these variables that like, I obviously don't have access to. So it's like, you're right. Like, you know, I could talk to Darwin. He could be like, I feel really good about where I am because even though the, the goal scoring part of my game hasn't quite been there so far, um, you know, there's this other part of the game I'm actually focusing on and that part's been really good. And in that case, like, cool, great. Like, that's just me not knowing what I'm talking about and I'm happy enough to be like wrong. Um, if someone feels better about their game, then I think their game looks like, There are better judges than me. That's something I say to everyone I work with. Like you are the expert on yourself and your game. So if someone comes to me and they're like, I really like how I'm playing unless all of the feedback around them is telling them something different such that I think they have a disturbed view of themselves, then I'm going to say, great, build on that. You know, like, um, but yeah, I, I, think this group in particular, there's, there's just so much room for improvement.
2: I agree. I do agree I think there is tons of room for improvement Um, I'm 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 going to be curious to see how the this season plays out you know do we follow our normal trajectory of having a a rough January and rough February Uh, and then a storming March April and May and, and where that will leave us. Um, but... I think... like the term mentality mon- monsters is almost impossible to quantify in, in real terms, you know? Um, but I wonder, does the success that the core of the team have had allow them to feel a sense of confidence that we can drag this over the line and we can bring these lads with us uh, when probably nobody expects them to be challenging for a title this season?
0: I think it's a really big test of the new leadership group that I would say probably forms like the core of the team that you're mentioning. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Because in some ways, like, Who's kicking around who really has had success? It's Mo, Trent, Robbo, Virgil, Matted, Gomez, Ali.
2: Quivine. be around for the title winning season? Mm, probably not. Quivine was there. Adrian was there. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Jota wasn't. But Jota's got to Champions League final, isn't he?
0: I think so. So then, I mean, that's a solid chunk, right? That's a nice group of experience, but you're also then looking at a lot of important players who haven't actually experienced that success yet. Um, So it's a good test of, can that group of players we just mentioned help the players who haven't experienced the success yet understand what it means to get this over the line in the second half of the season? And are is the identity instilled enough or is the resilience good enough? Cause that's what this group does have. It's like, absolutely. will not argue for a second. This group has zero quit, has a ton of resilience and they will keep fighting to the end and find ways to win games. And so like, you can afford to be less consistent if you are so resilient. It's not the preferential way of winning yeah. probably, but like, you know, you can afford to, to not be, going out and controlling games across the board, if you can just be so resilient, but you push your luck at some point with that. Mm. Um, And maybe we could just be really lucky. That would be fine too. Sometimes that's enough to win you a title. Um, Yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing. And I think if this group, it's a huge opportunity for this leadership group to cement themselves as a really legitimate leadership group. They can learn a lot here and cement a real hierarchy here if they can help the new players figure out how do we do this Mm. Um, that would make a huge difference just for the long term trajectory because I think then what's a good way to put this it gives them so much credibility I think they have the credibility anyways but it like this season becomes a workshop for them yeah
3: Allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout.
0: Um, that's pretty vague, but that's the best I've got right at the moment. Yeah. <laughs>
3: but uh, I guess it the, gives them the chance
2: to try things out and and try and instill that structure as best as they can and I think there's probably in because of the success levels that there's there there's probably enough trust from the management team to you know trust that Virgil and Mo and Trent and Ali and Robo can can take that mantle and it's not just one voice it's not just one or two voices that are the, the loudest ones and everyone has to, I suppose, bow down to that. But I suppose as we're talking, what's what's coming to me as well is though, how much we evaluate the success or failure of leadership groups, mentality based on results, based mm-hmm. on w- what happens and and how that can kind of flip like we've i think we've got 18 points from losing positions this season and our total is 37 I think we're on so almost pretty much half of our points have come from losing positions and that could be the difference maker for those who have had an experienced success versus those who haven't because those who haven't might be going Jesus we are so lucky (laughs) to be where we are and those who've experienced that success go no this is how we do it that we never Mm -hmm. give up and we can absolutely keep going to the end and like we mentioned the last time that does instill not a fear necessarily but a, a question in opposition's heads we can't afford to switch off against them which is which sets up the conditions. So if you've got your group who believe they can keep going and can score right till the very last second and you have the opposition going and believing or thinking about the exact same thing, that is creating those conditions. And the more we do it, the more that builds.
0: It's just not easy to watch. It is fun to watch when you win in the end. It's fun. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Like it's, you're right. There's the narrative and script that develops. So from like a narrative psychology, narrative therapy perspective, this idea of this is who we are. We never quit. and Eventually we pull it out. Having had the successful experiences means that that narrative becomes, you know, we might struggle, but we always have a chance. And that changes what it feels like to be in the end of a game, sometimes for both teams, but especially for one, um, for us. It's like, we can still do this. And maybe if that becomes enough of a habit, other teams pick up on that and react to it too. Whereas, you know, in our worst moments last year, it felt like the narrative was, we're not going to figure this out. You know, there were points there where it was so frustrating to watch where it just felt like, this isn't, this isn't going to happen. This is one of these games again. Um, so, that, I mean, there's definitely a new narrative around this group. And being in first right now helps that. I, no doubt, right? Because then you look at it and you're like, wow, this must be working. Results do matter. Again, it's interesting because I talk all the time about process versus results. Like both of us do. And we highlight how important process is. And I think actually one of the hardest things to do from a mental standpoint is... Probably to be a team like Bournemouth and to know that even when your process is spot on, you might only win half your games because you're not going to have the same reinforcement that you get as someone who is, you know, if we're at the tip of our process, we're going to win 90% of the time. And so that gets reinforced in this totally different way. Like you might have games where you're doing everything you're supposed to and it's not working and so it doesn't feel good. And then you lose the game and there's this instinct to look and be like, well, what were we doing wrong? It's really hard to look at a situation where you've lost but maybe recognize we didn't really do anything wrong or like this was actually a good game and we need to take this and move forward. And especially if that's a regular occurrence, like I think with top teams, you know, maybe one, every once in a while you might have a game where it's like, look, we played really well. Our process was really good. We created the chances we wanted to create. They just didn't go in. Things didn't fall for us. We can move on from that knowing we played well and the result didn't go our way. That's sometimes how it goes. It's different if maybe you expect that a certain amount of the time you can do your best and it's still not going to be enough to get you over the line in certain games. Mm -hmm. Um, I got us on a little bit of a a deviation here, like, but like, yeah, like the results do matter and getting some of the outcomes matters a lot because it creates that reinforcement feeling like you accomplished something. So it's, this is just like the, a pure behavioral perspective. Um, and like people, like a behavioral perspective is like the reward and punishment. Like, uh, it's the, if you do the thing you want, you get a treat. Um, if you do the thing we don't want, then you get zapped is usually how it works yeah. in experiments in psychology, um, or used to work before ethics and whatnot. So, um, that plays a really important role. I was listening to this neuroscientists, a podcast he did, Andrew Haberman, Andrew Huberman. He's like a, he does a podcast where he looks at neuroscience studies and kind of puts together, um, you know, interesting suggestions for people based on what the research says. And he was talking about this experiments where they had I don't know if the rats were fighting or if the rats they were in some sort of competition, probably mazes, because that's another thing. Like, yeah. Usually rats do mazes in psychology. But either way, the rats knew whether or not they were winning. The biggest predictor of future wins was previous wins. Part of that was based on just resilience. But it, like what the researchers had shown was that um, for rats who already had an experience of winning their effort was greater than the effort put in. The number of times they would keep trying was greater than the rats who had only experienced losing. And the reason for that is if you don't have the experience of something going well and being reinforced, then you don't have the same belief that if I try again, it's likely to work out. And so with behaviorism too, there's this whole thing, reinforcement schedules. And so like sometimes the way this is talked about is like um, gambling is a really addictive behavior because the winning is random. And so like if I, if I know that I'm supposed to win every fifth time and now 20 times have gone by and I don't win, I'm going to give up on that because it's not working the way it's supposed to. It's easy for me to walk away. If I know I might win randomly one out of five times and 20 goes by, some part of me might think, well, it's just been a bad run. I'm probably going to hit the next one. This next one's going to come or I'm going to hit a good run or I win three in a row and then I go 30 without a win. And so it's like the way that plays with our brain is these random reinforcement schedules um, make us keep trying, keep pushing until like it takes longer to realize that this isn't working um, or to give up or to conceptualize that this isn't working. And so the way that this comes back to soccer Al, <laughs> is that results do matter a lot. Because if you never get that reinforcement, at the end of the day, winning feels good and losing feels bad. And unless you can find a way to make a loss feel good, which is really hard because you're talking about really competitive people, it takes a lot of mental effort actually to have a loss and then say that was good and that feels good. And like, I did things right and reinforce the things you did right when you don't have a positive feeling. It's how our brain works. It's the dopamine, the joy, all those positive feelings we feel that sends a message, a neurochemical message within our brain. Hey, let's do this again. And so now, yeah, like coming back to actually Liverpool too, is like, we have this experience of coming back and winning on a really regular basis. And that sticks with us now. If you don't have the results, that effort isn't reinforced. There's not that part of your brain that holds on to that and thinks we can do it. And it's not even this conscious. It's not that cognitive. It's just um, this happens at this unconscious level of just like your brain is expecting this reward. It's almost like that thing you find yourself doing where all of a sudden you're like, oh, why am I doing this? Like where you didn't really think about it, but your brain is kind of like, it's it's um scrolling through YouTube or scrolling through Instagram or scrolling through whatever you scroll through. Like every once in a while, there's that dopamine hit that your brain is looking for. And it's like, then you might scroll through for a long time and it's like, okay, well this isn't really there, but then you hit another one. It's why phones are so addictive. It's an intermittent reinforcement schedule. And, um, yeah, we've been reinforced a lot so far this season. And so (laughs) that effort will continue. And that's really what I'm saying. You guys have gotten, into the weeds of behaviorism.
2: <laughs> yeah, the, the easiest way I use to describe it is when when you have to get up and go to the toilet during the night. Isn't it amazing how you don't bump into anything most of the time? It's that neural pathway. You don't think about it. You just know where to go. So you don't bump into the corners of the bed or the chest of drawers. You can just get there and then you get your reward.
0: But <laughs> you get back in the bed absolutely fine technically it's a uh, yeah it's a negative reinforcement which means the removal the removal of something uncomfortable is a reinforcement pattern and so like when you have the discomfort of having to use the bathroom and then you use the bathroom and you have alleviated that discomfort of having to pee um, or whatever you know then <laughs> That you know, That's a negative reinforcement You've removed something So even if it's like You know You're really Bringing it back to soccer I guess Or whatever Like um, You know at the end of the game There's that discomfort That's frustration There's a the frustration All of us felt with Fulham Right Where like if That game was miserable For a solid 20 minutes Like when that game Looked like it had Gotten away from it Us That was Tough Tough feelings You know Big emotions So um not only does winning alleviate those and become a negative reinforcement, it also becomes a positive reinforcement because feeling those positive feelings feel good. Yeah. Um so yeah, like that that can become really reinforcing and there's that's the reason why. But the results matter because otherwise it's hard to find their the reinforcement and like the joy, the chemicals that come with joy, like the brain chemistry that comes with joy assists in developing neural pathways. And so actually I think we talk a lot about deliberate practice too. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things with deliberate practice. Like, and it's part of why I often say it's so important to celebrate your successes. It's not just about patting yourself on the back or making yourself feel good. Finding a way to f- have some joy in recognizing what you're doing well is a reminder to your brain that that thing matters. And so often when I have an athlete who thinks they're super tough and super hard on themselves and I'm my own biggest critic and that's how I'm going to get ahead. The question that I'll ask them is how would you train a dog with no treat? And if they come up with some other sort of reward, I would say, well, how would you train a dog with no rewards at all? If you could only punish it, how do you think the dog would do? And inevitably Because most people I work with don't enjoy cruelty to animals. They're like, well, that wouldn't work at all. You know, like that wouldn't, that wouldn't feel good. I think I said most all I've never worked with someone who was actively enjoying being cruel to animals actually. Um, Well, that wouldn't work. And it's like, yeah, you'd have a dog at knowing, knowing what it's not supposed to do. Really good at knowing what's wrong. Um, But not good at being able to know what's right. And when you only have the experience of being punished for what's wrong, Often the state that develops is called learned helplessness. And there's this idea that there's nothing that I can do that's going to get me reinforcement. As soon as we put it into language, it feels very cognitive, but it's a it exists at a much deeper neurochemical level too, or biochemical level too. It exists at a much more subconscious level of just um, when there's no reinforcement, when there's nothing that gives you that joy, which is comes with those The dopamine the serotonin the the other adrenaline whatever that sends your brain this message of that's good we should do this again um it's really hard to repeat the process
2: listeners you can all sit back and revel in the knowledge of dr andrew vincent (laughs) honestly andrew that was a phenomenal take and a really really good insight into the brain chemistry and explained in a very clear and concise way. So, I know I slag you off sometimes, but you do have your moments where you're actually quite good, and that was one of those moments. Thanks so much for. I will join us with joy this.
0: in order to reinforce it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> don't ruin my outro now. Don't don't ruin this whole thing. Um, but listeners, I want to thank you all for your ears. And wish you all a very Merry Christmas. And we will see you back in the new year. Andrew, any words for the listeners as we head off into the sunset of Christmas time?
0: Enjoy your holidays. That's it. Enjoy. Because if you enjoy it, it will reinforce enjoying it. Excellent.
2: There you go. <laughs> the doctor has spoken. Uh, listeners, until next time.